Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Rob Veris, Burbank Sports Cards. On my recent trip, another Instagram uh, interview where he saved up a bunch of questions. And we've done some Zoom stuff, but being in person, and I've seen him at shows, but to sit down on his couch and be grilled by a guy that's known me for a long time, who's a, obviously an industry insider. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Tucker the Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank. Thanks, Rob. And CompC and Beckett Media, Beckett Radio, Beckett Authentication. Here's the quasi-interview that is available on Instagram. Check out the real deal. You can see our faces. Thanks, Rob. The origins of Beckett grading and the thought process behind that, how you see it today, and maybe in the future, what you think the role of grading will be. Before there was grading, were you involved? Were you aware you were studying grading? Grant Sangram came I'm, in my I'm, store. I'm wondering, in 97, 98, yeah. somewhere in there? Yeah. And was he picking your brain or was he cryptic because he's very analytical yeah. yeah oh you think grant if you're out there yes yeah i mean you are definitely the son of jim when it comes to analytics but yes grant was in my store and it's like what would you think if we did but, but this you were anti-grading i don't think you really had any i wasn't say stuff no i wasn't i thought i was a great grader i didn't need other people I thought we had the brand where people had the confidence in buying from us. And you did it at a certain level. Yeah. But once it got the digital online. Yeah, then you had you to. You needed the third party. Yeah, especially interstate commerce and such. But SA was the standard, but it had flaws. Or the backyard. Exactly. They still dominate to this day. But he brought the question, how about the why? Why is it the 10? Why is it the 9? And he's showing me the design and goes, what would you think if we had subgrades? And I'm like... That answers the why question. It's not just a number in the upper right-hand corner. This is how we came up with the number, and this number can't be any more than one full point ahead. So basically, dead-centered, beautiful corners, but if it had a bullet hole in it, the car couldn't be, yeah, it couldn't be more than one. But if it had a pinhole, let's just say, and everything else was perfect, all the other three attributes were dead on, but it had a pinhole, it could be a four. Uh, it could be a four yeah. at the most. Yeah, but, something. But and he wanted to go through that. He wasn't satisfied with generality. It had to be spec'd out completely. And did you sign an NDA? Didn't have to sign an NDA, but I, I love Grant. I and I did not repeat it until it became live. And I had no idea the quality of the holders. And obviously, I think Mark was the quality of the holders. Yeah, because yeah. he had a coin background and he had the inner sleeve and the hermetic seal and all those things. From, and the gold, silver, and sure, white. yeah, it just it just popped. It was a huge. It was like Upper Deck coming on the scene in '89. It was just this next level of quality, and more important to me, and I think the industry at large, just the explanation. I think that was important. I wish they had the report card. For everything, yeah. If they're grading that way every time, which they are, except if it's a vintage card, it's a six. Then I think they just say it's a six, and they know that because they've implicitly done the subgrade. Sure, but to Particularly the subgrades, I think that really engendered a lot of confidence sure. in the buyer and the user and the understanding of the brand that we weren't just a black box that right. we figured out. Like you said, the why. It's a big deal. It's a big contribution. And the reason other people haven't done it is because it really adds a lot of cost. Yeah. But just in my opinion, don't you need the subgrades already? to be able to come up with that grade? Are you no, talking next? Not necessarily. Really? These other companies don't. Yeah. They, and frankly, the, the Beckett guys, they can look at a card and just in their head, they know this is probably going to be 8.5. They didn't have to look at Grant's score sheet. Right. If it's 
998595. Yeah. But that's a nine. They just they've it, done it enough times. I've graded as many cards as anybody because we have a tremendous amount of raw cards that we've always sold online. I can look at a card, and it's, sometimes it's the tactile touch as well as you're going around the card and feel those light imperfections and things. But I can pretty much, in a matter of three seconds, know this is either VGEX or X. All the other grades go out the window. And it's one of those things where sometimes it's a really wide berth. This is just a VGX. And sometimes it's a narrow berth where you're like, it's VGEX and it could be X and those kind of things. That's why with your grading systems, it was a lot more pinpoint tight on that. But even with that, for grades to not have the reliability that if you grade it again, it might be... 0.5 less or more. People think that's terrible. When I don't think it's terrible. Okay, I think you could even have that if you looked at one a card one day. Oh yeah. And then three months later you look at it, it was VGX one day and X three months later just because of other cards you've seen in the interim or other perspectives you have. So I don't see that as a bad thing that there's a dynamic element to it. And you can get it regraded if you want to. I also don't think that's a bad thing. Right. So it's a free work. You can get it graded by the same company or a different company. It's good if to get a, a second opinion. If a company is considered to be lax, then that'll show up in their aftermarket pricing. And you, I'm sure, see that because you don't price all nines the same according to what company gave the grade and whether it's a strong nine or a weak nine. So all that ambiguity or equivocation, I don't see as bad. I see it's opportunity for discussion. And like you said, the why. And that's why if it's a BGS 9 with subgrades, you've got a pretty good idea that it's a strong 9 or a weak 9, right. where it's weak or where it's strong. Yeah. I really jumped all over that. Yeah. I, I thought a huge Grant contribution. really got something here. Yeah. And he wanted to go down the list. Full matrix. Oh, yeah. Of every possibility. Oh, yeah. No. And I, I made him stop after about 15 <laughs> minutes. I said, Grant, I believe in you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to go down to whether it's a 1111. That would be a 1. <laughs> a 11112. Yeah. That'd still be a 1. A 1122. That'd be a 1.5. I'm kidding. But really, he had everything covered. Yeah. And, and I knew that from knowing him. And it really helped people understand the grading, the scientific element, too. Sure. Now, what do you think about artificial intelligence? There's all this talk now. I hope it'll be increasingly helpful, but I'm not sure it can be the whole enchilada. Uh, the new CEO of Beckett Media talked about that. And he said, I, we're really looking to bring artificial intelligence elements into the problem. Sure. So that's in the works. Yeah. But is it the whole thing? I don't think so. There always has to be a human element. I think so. Yeah. I and, uh, Otherwise, it's the imperfections. If you magnify something enough, it's imperfect. Right. There'd be no such thing as a 10 if it was under that much scrutiny. That could be the case, too. But yeah, grading's changed everything. And the modern market, people just think raw cards are, well, I'm not going to deal with raw cards. Everything's graded. And I don't think that's always the right message. It's a huge opportunity. If you're a good grader, right. you have two ways to make easy money. One is to buy raw cards that you grade, and the other is to buy undergraded cards from out-of-favor companies or just properly graded cards that you know what to cross over you right. know what to get graded and you have uh, it's easy money right it's easy money the differentials between an eight and a nine yeah and a raw card that's priced at an eight when you can see that it's going to be a nine and yeah. it's a gamble but it's a good gamble i only want games of skill i don't want games of chance right that's a game of skill that's a game of skill opening or being a break that's a game of chance right game of skill is picking out that's why i want to look at a dollar box it's a game of skill to pull out the best card. If someone says, hey, we're going to break this monster box, do you want to buy every tenth card? <laughs> no, I want to pick out one-tenth of the cards, the ones I want. Sure. 
yeah, the game has changed so much. And, and I've found graded cards in the dollar box. Yeah. How can you have a dollar box card that is a dollar that if I buy a bunch of them, I can get for slightly less than a dollar, and it's graded. Yeah, that's graded. And that, it's not a high grade, but it's still slabbed. It's graded. Someone spent and that kind of time. Somebody spent 20 money. bucks or yeah. 15 bucks or 30 bucks now to get it graded. It goes for all grading companies. Yeah. It's not just off-brands. It's PSAs in there. A dollar for a card. Yeah. It's low demand in that grade. Answer that, but it's way less than the cost of grading. Yeah, there was a lot of misinformation, too. A lot of the new people coming in that everything had to be graded, and they were grading things that... In retrospect, they've never been graded. And well, 1% of cards, not even 1% of cards get graded. Yeah. One-tenth of 1%, yeah. not we even that. We have to grade everything. I know, but when you're looking in the store, it looks like everything's graded. Yeah, we buy it. Can yeah. we go to the other place where we're, everything's not graded? Yeah, we're going to go there in just a minute. Because that would be my, uh, I don't like to buy graded cards. Yeah, I like to get cards graded that sure. are worth getting graded, but I don't want to buy graded cards if somebody else took the profit. This is true. Generally. Yeah. You know the same thing. Yeah. Fanatics coming in and getting the licenses, buying tops, obviously... They'll be making plays at Panini in the near future. What was your first reaction to hearing that Fanatics had gotten all the license? Because it came out of the blue. No one really knew that was coming. This Michael Rubin guy's had kind of the mind of touch. And so for him to come into our industry and make a big play like this, he's a smart guy, and he's got enough money and ties with the leagues and the Player Association to make it work. But still, I have some trepidation because I'm not a monopolist. It's by the fact that we had the leading price guides. I didn't want to have the only price guide, or the, I don't want to have the only grading company. I want to be in first place. But they're in first place, and they have such a dominant market share that what if Fanatics went to the card show promoters and said, hey, we'd like to be a sponsor of your show? He said, that's great. How does that work? So we're going to give you a bunch of money, and then we're going to tell you what to do. <laughs> and they'll have the money and the muscle to be able to do that. In fact... You're going to need to do the show this way, right? If you want our sponsorship, but if you have our sponsorship, we're going to bring players. We're going to put some money in. We're going to do some mass marketing. Everybody that gets a jersey or a cap in your geography is going to get a little slip announcing. And so, how are you going to say no? But they're so big, and they're going to be so influential that I hope that the Josh Luber wing of the company is a collector at heart will not be marginalized if they turn it into packaged goods or something like that so i'm hopefully optimistic that they're going to see that i'm a get rich slow guy it's one thing to double every so often it's another thing to do a 10x right the 10x this industry too quickly would be what goes up can go down if it's slow and steady wins the race yeah. But that doesn't sound good, but if we were to grow 25% a year, that's doubling in three plus years, which means doubling again in three more years. That means in 10 years, you went 10x. Right. Yeah. If that was 20, 25% a year, that's yeah. what I'd like to see. Yeah, yeah. Get rich that's slowly. That's 10x in 10 years. Yeah. The first time I heard about the whole so fanatics I'm, thing. I'm scared about it because Stan Musial was always a Cardinal. Mickey Mantle was always a Yankee. Sure. That kind of thing. I just like to see loyalty. And I'd love to see Panini. I've got a lot of friends there mm -hmm. to, to thrive sure. in this environment. And not to be marginalized or even acquired. It sounds monopolistic to me. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. It could happen. It really could. And my first reaction was we're going to have commercials during live sports. We're going to have commercials on SportsCenter. Cards are going to be okay. promoted in ways that we've never had before. And uh, I think that still will happen, and I'm happy if that happens. I just don't want there to be only one place, one source. What if Fanatics had cards in every supermarket, every place where food was? Right. They were there. It depends on what the cards are. Right. If they're every brand, 
and that's bad. There's certain brands that draw people into it. I'm all for it. I'm all for that. Tops opening. So it, it requires a measure of restraint. Sure. And capitalism is not known necessarily for restraint sometimes. This is a good thing, I mean, more of a good thing. Yeah, it's not always a good thing it's to have more of a good to, thing. To kill the golden goose. Yeah, and there's smart people there. They're smart, and I hope they... I just hope they understand the hobby and maybe get some education as far as the last 30 years and what has happened and try to avoid the mistakes of the past. And, uh, no, I hope they'll listen to guys like you. You have a lab right here that you, you have the pulse of what's going on. I'm not in the business anymore. I'm an observer. You are in the thick of it. Yeah, Josh was in here a couple months back and he was floored and that made me feel really good. And it should be. The hobby shop should be the entry point to their ecosystem, and they should really try to support the best shops out there. If you're only doing things that fanatics can do themselves, I don't think that you have a whole lot of value to them. Exactly. I've got someone from fanatics coming in next week. But what if fanatics came to you and said, we want to resurrect the Thompson Upper Deck, or card shops? I think they might. We've, I think there, they should. There's been discussions where they, they there was a conversation briefly that we love your content and they know I come from an educational background and writing and traveling and I'd be down to do it. Whatever grows the pie and if I can positively influence this industry, I do it every morning for 10 minutes on my IG. I talk constantly. We've built a shop that... I know, but if they boosted you and stuff... It'd be big for us. That'd be big. It'd be big. But for them. Yeah. It's a good thing for them. Yeah. It's me training their staffing. Their staffing is basically the people behind the counters across the country. That is their staff. And if we can make a shop a little bit better, a little more efficient, a little more friendly, I think that goes a long way to their bottom line. And if I was presented with that, I really have to do it. bottom line. Yeah. If they want to get the 10X, how are they going to get it? It's not going to be smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit of blocking and tackling, which you can show people how to do. It, it, unfortunately, there's not a shortcut. Yeah. Breaking has been a shortcut for some people. Just get some cases, break them online, stream it, and deterministically make money. And that all is good, except that there has to be a secondary market without a secondary market yeah. and not just eBay or other places that are impersonal. There's got to be some sense of community. Agree. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there, but I think Fanatics is going to need to be able to boost people up the tree a little bit to make it more of an experience, more of a buy and sell and not just being pushed upon and dinging the credit card constantly and showing people that here's the system to be able to buy these things and actually be able to put them in other people's hands that actually want the cards because there's a great demand for cards out there I know. but you need people that can process cards and take it from one person and get it to another and enhance the hobby experience some really cool content would be Jim's reaction to the warehouse. It's been long enough. You ready to go over there? Are you killing me? I know. We're going right now. <laughs> All right. Here we go. 